0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Exploring Life. And today, we are going to talk about the Bible. So, depending on which of the 41,000 different Christian denominations you were a part of, whether it be on the far right, fundamental, far left, progressive, or mystical, transcendent, this may have a different impact on you depending on where you stand. And before I go in, I just want to explain that these thoughts are not just random thoughts, that this has been years and years of me going in and studying. And the way that I like to look at it is growing up in Christianity, you kind of just believe what people tell you. You don't really go in and do research, you just kind of accept it. It's that childlike faith of, I'm going to accept what my parents have to say. And when you get older, that's when you make the choice of either, okay, I'm going to continue to blindly accept this or I'm going to challenge my beliefs. I'm going to challenge my faith and decide what I believe as a person, not what my parents believe, but truly what I believe. And so I started that process way earlier than I assumed I would. I don't even know if I assumed But I've always been a curious person. I've always been a person who always questioned the status quo in some type of way, and so pretty much what I'm about to tell you is personal to my walk with God, and so if it doesn't resonate with you, that's totally fine. You don't have to take it, but if it does, that's great, and we're on the same page, but if we're not, that's also fine because everyone is on their own journey with God, and who am I to say That your journey is wrong and my journey is right. That's not how it works. A journey is a journey. We are all on beautiful paths back to the infinite creator. And if you don't see something how I see something doesn't mean one is right or one is wrong. It just means we're on different paths and that's totally fine. Some people are going to take a longer path. Some will take a shorter path. Some will take a windy path. Some will take a straight path. But regardless, eventually I do have faith that we will make it back to the infinite creator and that's just because maybe i'm an optimist but that's personal to my belief (laughs) all right so starting out now when it comes to the bible a lot of people encourage you to read the bible in context with your church and if you're a new christian they say oh no no please um don't read the old testament let's start you out in john it's so sweet in there and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, sweet, I'll start in John. And then you might get to a point where you get your own Bible, and you're like, oh my gosh, I love this stuff, like, this is so cool. And then you, you're like, okay, I'm just going to start from the beginning, and I'm just going to go from the top, let's go. And then you start, and you're like, oh my, what the heck is this? It's all about death, and killing, and war, and nation over nation, and sacrifices, and animal sacrifices, and oh my goodness, like, I cannot... And then, as a new Christian, you might be like, okay, I'm staying in the Philippines. And um, 1st and 2nd 3rd John seems so sweet, so I think I'm just going to read that for the next 42 weeks. And there's a reason why you feel like that. I highly encourage you to not dismiss your feelings and to really consider why that is. And when you look into the context of the society, of the culture, of what is going on, and you are spiritually advancing with your personal relationship with the creator of the universe, things can seem a little like, uh, I don't know about that. And what a lot of times people do is they say, you know what? God's ways are higher than my ways. Like there's a lot of bloodshed and it doesn't make sense to me, but I still believe in this version of God. And what I'm saying now is I'm saying, okay, well, let's not dismiss your feelings. Let's not dismiss your emotions. Of course, God's ways are higher than your ways, but if someone is painting God in a different way than how God intended to be painted, if someone is creating a version or projection of God that fits their particular culture, their particular society, their particular nation, then we have every right to discuss it, to question it, to look into it, and to compare and contrast against the true attributes and the true reality of the infinite creator that is your god-given right to be able to statistically analyze to textually analyze to contextually societally every possible way traditionally and go in you don't have to just accept things blindly because reality is is this whole life is a journey this whole life is supposed to be a relationship it's supposed to be exciting adventurous and why would we just you know take the juice and just sit there blindly and have someone just tell us this is god let's go like all right move on let's read on like no you have every right to question everything that's part of why we're here is to question to grow to learn Because the thing is, is that if something is threatened by our questions, if something doesn't stand up to our questions, then what does that mean? It means it's really, really, really hard to blindly follow something because we realize it doesn't really add up. And if it doesn't really add up, then what does that leave us with? Well, it leads us with another adventure to finding out more, growing more, learning more. And see, that's the beautiful thing about life is that don't worry if life it goes in a different direction than you planned i mean that's (laughs) how many times do we have a routine in place and you know we have this and this and this that we want to get done and then all of a sudden your car has a flat tire or someone breaks the window of your car or someone at work says oh you need to do these 150 papers but you already had uh, 500 papers to do there's so many different things that come out of nowhere that come out and just challenge the status quo. And so, allowing your faith in the Bible to be challenged and to see if it stands up does not make you a bad Christian. It just makes you a critically thinking Christian by people who go out of their way to study the Bible, to study the history, study tradition, create their own ideas. I have so much more respect for someone, regardless of if they are fundamental, if they're progressive, mystical, if they are constantly studying the Bible, not just like reading the words and creating applications for their personal life, but actually statistically and studying the context and all this different stuff, I have so much respect for them because at least they have enough passion to critically think and to consider and to be upfront with their beliefs you know what I mean and so rather than people who just blindly accept it and just don't do anything about it and just continue on their day and so regardless of what you believe I think there's a reason why and I think it's everyone is on their own journey that's what I wanted to say before I get started on this and before you ask oh well Kylie what are you are you a fundamental are you a mystical are you progressive well, see, I personally do not like labels because I feel like labels make it very easy for people to judge. Um, but if I were to say what type of thought process makes the most sense to me, I would say looking into the historical, traditional, cultural, and societal context of scripture makes the most sense of me. And so I value both the Uh, studying of the scripture in that way and then also trying to find um, scriptures that point back to the oneness of the creator and all of universe so um, it's a mixture between um, progressive and mystical so mystical because uh, the mystical focuses on the relationship with the creator and this has always been you know in every single era every single epoch there have always been Followers of the creator who have not focused on the rules or the laws, but really focused on the relationship. And those have, from time to time, been these mystical people who have transcended the rules and laws of religion. And then there's also people who are progressive in the fact where they realize, okay, well, if I take a book that is literal, when it's obviously speaking so many times metaphorically, allegorically, and we can't take it out of context having to do with the contextual, historical, societal, then realistically, it makes more sense to approach it from an unbiased position, considering the text, and then applying whatever will help you in your personal relationship with God. Because here's the thing, is if I take, if I say something and I misinterpret someone's words as if they are literal when they were never meant to be literal, then you can do a lot of damage. By assuming someone said something when they didn't mean to say it like that can do a lot of damage on people. And then once you get to that point, it's pretty much damage control, and that's just never a good place to be at. So first of all, what I want to approach is statistically, speaking from a statistic point of view regarding the Bible. The Bible has more words having to do with killing than it does having to do with love. And that's not my interpretation that is merely statistics and so right off the bat when you are looking at the bible you have to be aware that this is a historical book three quarters of the book the old testament this is how the jews saw history and if you think about history in our books in the uh uk's books and australia's history books History is going to change based off of the perception because history is based off of perception. And what do I mean by that? Well, simply, the way you view particular events is going to change how you write down those particular events. So, if the Jews believe that the infinite creator of the universe has favorites and is going to allow the Jews to murder everyone around them because they were not chosen by the infinite creator, that will be displayed in the text. And if they believe that the war and the murder and the bloodshed is justified because, quote unquote, the infinite creator told them to, that's going to be reflected in the text. And so perspective helps write down the history of the people in a biased way. That's just the reality, is that history has a biased connotation based off of the perception because the perception is of the people that are experiencing it. Is it always correct? that's the thing is we have no way to absolutely say all history is correct without enough archaeological evidence in order to prove it and the reality around the bible is that we don't have a lot of archaeological evidence for the events that it talks about for example there's absolutely no evidence that the jews were slaves in egypt and we also have absolutely no evidence that there were millions of jews in the desert for that many years and Um, We also have evidence that the Jewish kingdom was much more like a small clan, um, not like a huge, huge kingdom that was very fortified. And so there's just like a lot of things that we could try to validate, but without any um, archaeological evidence, we really don't know. We can only assume. And with those assumptions, we have to realize that history is from the perception of the people at that particular time. Could it be counterfeited? Could people have put things in? Could people have bulked it up? Like we've bulked things up, for example, the map of the whole entire world, they made the United States of America look geographically much bigger than Africa, even though it definitely isn't. And so could there have been people who tried to paint the Jews as this victorious, amazing, superior race that God chose and that they were the elite and everyone else who didn't come with them were not of the elite potentially yes and would there be potential jews who were like that's ridiculous you guys are so into yourselves and we are all equal before the infinite creator and we are all one with the infinite creator and we are not going to partake of your bloody battles and we think this is ridiculous of course and they had a name later on and they're called the essenes and I definitely believe that they were also around and they're just like, this is ridiculous. We're going to chip off. Like, <laughs> we are not partaking of these wars and bloodsheds and all this. So, I'm going to bring up some Bible verses that I want to talk about and then I want to further talk about this. So, many times in the Bible, it, for example, in First Samuel 15, 3, apparently, this commandment from the lord now go and smite amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not but slay both man and woman infant and suckling ox and sheep camel and ass and then ezekiel 9 4 through 7 and the lord said quote unquote the lord Unto him, go through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children, woman. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark. Hosea 13, 16, describe a punishment from the quote-unquote Lord. Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their woman with child shall be ripped up. This is supposedly from the infinite creator of the universe. So just remember this when I'm reading it. Deuteronomy 32, verses 23 through 25 says that the after the Israelites incited God's jealousy by worshiping other gods, he vowed, I will spend mine arrows upon them, the sword without, and tear within, shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. So, we have this over and over and over again. Honestly, I could go on and on. There's uh, Numbers chapter 31. Uh, the Lord approves of these instructions that Moses gave the Israelite soldiers about how to treat certain women and children captured in war now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman that hath known man by lying with him but all the woman children that have not known a man by lying with him keep alive for yourselves so literally like there's times where it's like just kill everyone like apparently quote-unquote god says just kill everyone including the babies like have show no mercy and then there's these where it's like oh yeah take the woman for yourselves yeah make them your wives yeah there, you can do that. You have every right to take these women against their will and make them your wives. And just imagine this mentality that the Jews in these wars have. It's like, if these imagine if these women were like, I'm not going to marry you. Are you kidding me? You came in and killed my whole entire family and you want me to marry them? What do you think the Jew would do? Do you think the Jew, after killing and being in all this genocide, apparently um, ruled by God, would just be like, okay, go on in your merry way. Or do you think maybe, like, this is a very toxic environment where everyone is just killed and then you believe you have a right to take this woman to be your wife, the family you just killed, like, she's going to be your wife. Like, this is beyond me. I literally cannot wrap my, like, it actually makes me feel so sad and I hurt on behalf of all the people that the Jews have killed in the supposed name of God. And then an all-time favorite is Isaiah, chapter 13, verses 9 and 15 through 18. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel both with wrath and fierce anger. Every one that is found shall be thrust through. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the meaties against them. They shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eyes will not spare children. So, these verses expose the countless amount of times that the Jews said they were commanded by quote-unquote God to murder. We're not just talking about men who could obviously be guilty, but we're talking about innocent babies. Innocent newborn babies. Like, this is not just, like, meant. Like, this is so sad. This breaks my heart that this could be the reality. That I can't imagine being alive during this period where apparently God is so angry at so many people that uh, the Jews are told to go into war after war after war after nation after nation to conquer all this land because all these people are unrighteous. And again, like once you start to see the statistics actually show that there's more war, bloodshed, and punishment than there is about love, you start to question things a little bit more. You start to think and use more critical thinking skills and be like, hmm, I don't know about this. Like, maybe this is from the perception of the Jews and maybe they did things like this in order to either protect their uh, race in order to seem justified and holy in murdering and genocide of huge nations or maybe potentially they were deceived by a different channeled deity that they called God and I'm going to get into that because that is uh, something I never really considered uh, for a long time. For so about i'd say two or three years ago all my life i've always felt very uncomfortable reading the old testament but when i went through my spiritual initial awakening around two years that's when it became incredibly unbearingly uncomfortable to me and don't get me wrong there are wonderful verses in the old testament and the new testament that display affection love mercy compassion verses on the law of one but there are also a lot of verses that talk about war, bloodshed, killing, stealing, and destroying. And so, all I'm saying is that when I went through my initial awakening, I was like, something ain't right. I don't know what it is, but I have so much fear around the Bible. I have so much fear around my perception of who God is, and it just doesn't feel right. Like, something just feels off. And that continued for um, a while, total probably two and a half years. And then I came across something Called The Law of One by I Am Ra. And what a channeled book means is that these people sat there and they channeled higher density entities that gave them information that um, told them things that helped them with healing, helped them with understanding history, helped them with seeing perspectives, and so forth. And how they would channel was this woman would sit there and she'd make sure that she was on a high vibration and she would challenge whatever entity would try to speak through her in order to give them information. And she would require them to first um, say if they're a positive or negatively oriented entity. Second, I believe they would um, state what they wanted to help with. And then third, I believe was, she would require them to say, Jesus is Lord. And if they passed that, then obviously it was a go. Because, again, in the New Testament, it says, like, no one can say in the Holy Spirit that Jesus is Lord and no one can say, you know, the opposite and say that they are in God. And so, these were the tests that were done before channeling. And the information in this book made so much sense and resonated with my heart and filled the gaps that I never even thought to think about before and helped realize like what areas you need to work on in order to heal yourself and help heal other people their perception of the jews and during that time and so many things that we don't have access to that apparently these entities are telling us about that just have lined up with how i thought even though i didn't put words to it yet and so i am just going to go into that and it's going to be uh very interesting but so pretty much this entity called I Am is, um is a higher density entity that is more evolved than us. And every time they start or they end, they start with a phrase like, we thank you in the infinite creator that you have allowed us to speak. And they end with, we thank you with uh, the infinite creator that you have allowed us to speak. Uh, blessings, we send light and love. And so pretty much people would ask them different questions and people would channel the answers from these higher density entities. And one of the uh, topics of these questions had to do with the Jews at the time when the Old Testament was being accounted for, when that history was being written. And um, they talked about how Yahweh, was originally a part of a bigger confederation of um, entities that were trying to guide the people on earth towards accepting the law of one and being able to um, continue on their evolutionary journey towards uh, third density to fourth density living. And um, apparently, Yahweh had a plan, um, a part of this confederation that was to help with genetic changes in order to help them understand the law of one. But there was a negatively oriented uh, group of entities called the Orions, O-R-I-O-N-S, who took advantage of this attempt to help the Jews and they utilized whatever was given to them as fuel to go out and to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Orion supposedly, according to this channeled book, also used the name Yahweh and hid behind it in order for them to be able to get the Jews to do what they wanted. So, I am holy. Um, I'm telling you, these people aren't holy. Go kill them. Conquer this nation. Make them your property. Do whatever. Steal the woman. Kill the babies. And because I'm God, I can do this. And so, because they were able to convince them, they were able to get them to do a lot of killing, a lot of murder, a lot of blood sacrifices. And what's really interesting about this whole entire thing is that this is actually recorded in the Bible. There is some talk of people in the Bible who have these uh, genetic differences that are different than other people and how they had to be wiped out and that it was like a mistake and it wasn't okay and um some of them refer to them as the nephilim in different parts it's referred to uh, they're just huge people and so this isn't just something foreign you know only in the channeled book this is also within the bible and according to this channeled book the orions are negatively oriented entities which are service to self while there are other positively oriented entities which are service to others and this plays into understanding the law of one which says even though there's negative or positive, we are all still one. And what I mean by the law of one is this um, understanding that we are all one with the infinite creator of the universe. That we are one with each other and we are one with God. And so, anything that tries to say we are not is not in accordance with the law of one, it's built on an illusion, it's built on a lie. To assume that some people are separated from God and other people are one with God, this is the point of the birth of religions and right versus wrong and separated from the chosen and the unchosen, the elite and the subordinate. And so, what the raw entities are saying is that Yahweh was utilized later on by the Orion to do these blood sacrifices, these Things that were service to self and nature in order to kill, conquer, and destroy. So, even though they didn't talk about animal sacrifices, or if they did, I glossed over it obviously. If the Orions did take over the name of Yahweh in order to utilize it, in order to kill, steal, and destroy, then in order to be in contact with negatively oriented entities, you need to have some sort of agreement that you are choosing to do so that you are choosing that and that comes with the law of free will so these negatively oriented entities can't just push themselves on you you have to choose with your free will that you want to be in contact and communication with them and through that blood there was agreement there were covenants made there were connections made that they couldn't get out of and this blood held power when you spill life this is like a thing that negatively oriented entities thrive off of. They are service to self uh, entities that require some sort of uh, power and subordination. They require people being slaves to their um, group. And so having these animal sacrifices and all these different Levitical rites and all these different things about punishments, like if you do this wrong thing, then we're just going to kill you. And there are many times in the Old Testament where they could have channeled um, positively oriented entities or messages from the infinite creator. And for example, in, I believe Isaiah, apparently God says, I do not desire your bloody sacrifices. Like, I just want hearts turned towards me. Like, those are definitely verses that express the love of one, the relationship between you and the infinite creator. And so, I think it's very intriguing because when you see it from the potentiality that the Jews channeled negatively-oriented entities, everything kind of seems a little more like, oh, that would make sense. All the genocide, the, um, you know, saying we're holy, you're not, the bloody punishments for the people within the Jewish nation, and just the righteousness that they believe they had over other people, and just the extreme punishments that they were surrounded with. And so, again, how do we prove this? How do we not prove it? You have to look at the historical, contextual, societal context, the archaeology. And also compare the historical account of who they believe the infinite creator is. And who the infinite creator actually is. So, for example, in the New Testament, we ta- we hear about the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control these are all referring to um, attributes that obviously the infinite creator would have. And so, if that is who the infinite creator is, then when it displays God as this jealous, wrathful, vengeful, angry God that keeps on saying, I'm going to dash your babies against rocks, does this actually represent the infinite creator or does this represent the God that you have projected as the infinite creator? And so, again, when you really dive into it, really, really critically think about it, there's either complete absolute lying from the Jews and they just did all this to create a false belief that God told them to do this and they just acted from their own selfish benefit to go and kill and murder all these people who they deemed as unrighteous in order to get their land and have more power. Or secondly, it they were actually channeling negatively oriented aliens or entities that convinced them that they were Yahweh, convinced them that they were the creator, created all these blood covenant contracts and said, we're going to give you this, we're going to give you millions of generations, we're going to give you power, we're going to give you land, just create this covenant with us, continue to kill these animals so that we can keep this connection, and then believed it to be God, and then went forth and killed people for these Orions, uh, multiple, multiple nations and people, Um, or thirdly it was actually the infinite creator and the infinite creator truly was in uh favoritism and had favorites chose the jews over everyone else was super jealous super wrathful super angry had all these punishments that led straight to stoning uh treated women like property treated slaves like property multiple verses on it or it could be a mix of all three or a mix of two or just one of them and regardless of what it is, that's the choice you have to discover on your own of what you believe if you put your faith solely in God or if you also put your faith in this historical account from the Jews, and that's not my choice for you. I don't want to make that choice for you. That's all I have for you for today on the Bible. Um, I could definitely talk hours and hours about this because it's so interesting. But if you have any questions, again, feel free to reach out to me. I always love answering questions and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I love you all so very much and I'm so proud of you and keep being amazing.